welcome to the Columbus Citadel podcast. We hope this to be a long-lasting wealth of fellowship and biblical knowledge for our community. Listen to Envoy Van Worth share what God has placed on his heart about the fruit of the Spirit. We have some folks out sick today. Judy's not here, and so Fran's home because she was concerned for her health, and so we're missing them today. Mem's high, uh, blood pressure was rather high this morning, and uh, she didn't want to take the chance of driving because of it. So we need to remember these folks in prayer. Um, we've been missing Ellen and Sherry for the past few weeks. I gave a call and to see, and just their health hasn't been that well. Uh, it's always a good thing to. If you know these folks and you want to give them a call and just word of encouragement, Stacy talked about how the body came to her and kind of supported her during a time. Let's do that for these folks as well. Uh, we want to pray for Debbie. She's down in Kentucky with a grandchild, I believe, having a great time. Two grandchildren having a double the time of a great time. And so we pray traveling mercies for her this day. So we just want to keep these folks in prayer. And if there's anybody that you know who is, uh, uh, needs a visit from my wife or myself, need, we need to reach out to, please let us know, if you would. Well, last week we started off on bearing his fruit, and we talked about uh, the love. And uh, we're going to talk about it from the standpoint, again, I'm adopting it from the perspective that I've really come to believe, that the fruit is singular in the sense that it is his love. Cross-reference that with 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul says love is patient, love is kind. You almost can do a direct comparison that love is these eight other, is love is these, that's not great grammar, but we'll go with it, uh, eight other attributes that are coming out from it. And so I want to look at a love that brings forth joy today. Now in your programs, last week we started off with this. So each week what we'll do is it'll get faded, and like today the joy is emphasized. So you're going to see this program cover for the next few weeks uh, up until the holidays hit and we circumvent it uh, with the uh, appropriate times around that. We'll have to resume this probably in January. We'll have to see how it just goes. But we're going to focus on joy today. Back it up because that was too soon. I thought of the other slide there. Uh, in preparing the sermon today, I thought about love producing joy from this perspective. When I started dating my wife, I got nostalgic. Went back to, here you go. <laughs> I told the kids when I started dating my wife, and they all looked at me and went, whoa. <laughs> like, Noah and the ark was back then, right? Uh, it's, well, it does, you know, from their perspective, seem that way, but it was September 28th of 1978. Uh, this month, November 29th, yes, I do know that date, we celebrate 35 years of marriage this month. And, uh, yeah, it's good news for me. She kept me. It was questioned there for a while. But, ha-ha! <laughs> well, it's more than survive, it's thrive. I was reflecting back to when I would, was dating my wife, and, you know, call it puppy love, call it what you want, call it infatuation, I really felt we were in love, as best as we could understand the definition of love back then, and I have to tell you that it definitely associated, because I was reflecting on this with the message today, that joy was a big part of that. I got to tell you, I've said that like three times, I'll say it again, I got to tell you, I'd work at Kenny's Shoes on Saturday night, close the shop at 9, and then we had to do our closeout stuff. I'd get over to her house at 10 o'clock at night. We'd make some popcorn and stuff, go down and cuddle on the couch and watch Saturday Night Live at 10.30. Oh, that's how I live in right there, folks, I'm going to tell you. Uh, just every time to be in her presence was a joy, and I just thoroughly enjoyed myself 
being with her, and I like to think she with me. But it was born out of the love that we have. Now, if it's that way on a human level, how much more than on a spiritual level? I'm going to share with you a story here about a gal who's an author and Christian artist, or Christian activist, rather, uh, Gert Behenna. <clears throat> she was born to Scottish parents here in the United States, though, and they were very wealthy, but she was just a wild child. She had uh, all this wealth and everything, but she had no control in her life. She had three failed marriages. Uh, she was an alcoholic. She was a drug addict. Uh, there was even a point in time that she, they were recommending her to get some psychiatric help because they felt there was such a mental instability that was there. But amazingly, and it is a great story that we won't get into today, of how she came to find God at age 53. And when she did, she was so enraptured and joyous about this experience, about her sins being forgiven, about her life taking on meaning and purpose. And there was a, just, a, just an enthusiasm and an excitement that is there. Let me share from her perspective, though, about her going to her first church meeting. I was 53 years old when I found out there was a God. The shock and wonder of that discovery has never worn off in the more than 20 years since. But I've had another shock in my life, almost as great as the first. In fact, it happened the very next Sunday. It was meeting my first church goers. I'd never been to church in my life, and I remember how eagerly I awaited that first Sunday. I had just uh, had a glimpse of God Almighty, me, an alcoholic, a drug addict, rich, lonely, miserable, and already I was beginning to know what joy really was. And now, on Sunday, I was going to meet people who had known him for years. What ecstatic people these longtime Christians had to be. They would embarrass me with their enthusiasm. Well, Sunday came. I went to church, and of course, you know what I found. Bowed heads, long faces, funeral whispers. Far from alarming me with the warmth of their welcome, nobody spoke to me at all. At first, I was sure this was just one isolated experience. Had to be, but as time went on and I attended other churches in various parts of the country, I made a bewildering discovery. These long-faced, listless people were present in every congregation. And then she ends her observation with a searching question that perhaps we need to ask ourselves this morning, and here it is. How could they come into God's presence Sunday after Sunday without breathing in the joy that danced in the very air? In my drawer that used to house white bread, it's now wheat. Notice my downward look and saddened face. My wife is after my health. It's good, I guess. But there was a fresh loaf of bread at the front, and it was soft, and it felt good. But buried in the back of the drawer was a long-forgotten loaf of bread, a bread that had been there for quite some time. One might think that surely that bread should be as fresh and wonderful. But no, it had changed color. It was the color of spring, <laughs> green as the grass. 
Grab that sucker and threw it away. Well, we know bread time gets that way. In the Christian life, though, should it happen to us? It does if there is no everyday connection with the Almighty, doesn't it? I can start thinking in terms, well, I'm saved. And forget the amazing wonderment of that statement. I am saved. I am forgiven. And that alone, and that's what she is saying here, that should cause us to rejoice and be excited every day, to experience the joy that comes. Uh, the book of Philippians is uh, considered the book of joy. And let me give you three sections of scripture from it. Finally, my brothers, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. And he's excited. He's enthusiastic about what he has to say. And he can write it over and over. And it is easy to do it every time. And it is joyful to do it every time. And then he tells the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he decides to emphasize it. So he says, again, I say, rejoice. Be excited. We should rejoice. We even have a song in the Salvation Army that we sing. What? Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, then again, I say rejoice. Always wait for the lights to go off when I do that. And thirdly, we find in the fourth chapter again, 12 and 13, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. And in in try that again. In any and every circumstance, I learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The joy comes from our strength in the Lord. We can go through horrific, horrendous, tragic even circumstances and still maintain joy. Joy is not happiness. Joy can bring forth happiness. But even in the midst of sorrow, there is a joy that can still exist in our hearts, knowing that the presence of God is in the midst of this. People have asked in days past when tragedies of shootings and things have abounded. And perhaps you've heard where the statement has been made, where is God in all this? And the answer to that question is, he is right there in the midst. And we can take joy and comfort knowing. Well, as so often I do, three thoughts this morning. So the first, we can have this joy, the joy of Christian living, just to be mindful that Christ has made it possible for us to have this life. Uh, we have to let go, though. He needs to be the pilot. He needs to be holding on to the wheel. He's at the helm. He's the director of the movie of our life. We move at his direction. And that's come some, somewhat of a challenge at times because we want to move at our own. My wife and I had a discussion this morning about the service. I'm a planner. I like things planned out. But, and she does too, by the way. She's really good. She's better than I am at that. But every so often she feels led and inspired. Testimonies were not on the menu today, folks. But when my wife comes to me and says, I really feel it in my heart. This is what God wants us to do. Like I'm going to say, well, tell God he didn't consult me. <laughs> it's not in the program. He needs to get his planner to talk to my planner and we'll see what we can do next time. It doesn't work that way. We have to be open to that moving when God says, hey, how about this? I've often maintained we have the programs, but the programs are there as a guideline. Sometimes God just completely takes over, and wow, when he does. So the joy of Christian living, we experience the joy of showing Christ through our own lives. You know, it is an amazing opportunity and a tremendous responsibility to know that we are an example to others. Let's face it, when people see us and we maintain the standard of Christianity, you can bet they're looking at us and wondering, 
what sets us apart. Years ago, and to give you an idea how long ago, it was the Johnny Carson show when Johnny was there. And he had as a guest a singer, you may know some of you, Sandy Patty. Christian singer, wonderful lady, just loved her, her voice and her songs. And she had a song at the time, I forget which it was, but it crossed over into the contemporary charts. And so she was on The Tonight Show singing. And later she was interviewed by Johnny. And he got to talking to her about her Christianity. And he goes, what, what's different about you? She goes, well, I don't think really anything. He goes, well, do you swear? And she goes, no. And he goes, never? She goes, no. What happens if you're hammering and you hit your thumb with a hammer? She goes, I say, ow. And, and it was just hard for him to fathom that. And you could see a couple of mixed expressions. One was he couldn't believe it, and two, he was in awe of it. And folks, the world looks at us. Let me tell you, the world needs what we've got. Jesus reminds us and says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We are to be that light of joy for other people because, folks, there's a lot of joyless people that are out there or joy that is founded on something that's much more temporary and will not be lasting. We have something far better, far richer. We take joy in setting a Christian example for our children. I came across this quote Abraham Lincoln said, and I, I thought it was powerful. He said, a child is a person who is going to carry on what you have started. He is going to sit where you are sitting, and when you are gone, attend to those things which you think are important. You may adopt all the policies you please, but how they will be carried out depends on him. He will assume control of your cities, states, nations. He is going to move in and take over your churches, schools, universities, corporations. All your books are going to be judged by him. The fate of humanity is in his hands. In other words, the impact I have today on those coming after me is amazing. And at some point when I am the grass that withers and goes to my reward, they will be the ones carrying on. And the question is, what will they be carrying on? Steve Green came uh, along with Christian songs, oh, back in the 90s, I think it was. May all who come behind us find us faithful. May our devotion light their way. Uh, I could go on the rest of the song, but I won't. But we have a joy that comes from this, that we have opportunity to impact. We've got children that come to this place. Some of them don't have fathers that are readily available. Some of them are having in trial, trying circumstances in the homes that they live. And we have an opportunity as a congregation to reach out and to love them. And I'm always in, in just, I watch these kids as they relate to us and to you specifically. And I'm always amazed at the love that they received. I think it's wonderful. And we need to continue that and encourage. What a joy it is to be able to do that, though. We take joy. Oh, one more verse. I forgot. Deuteronomy 4. Oh, yeah. Be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart. As long as you live, teach them to your children and to your children after them. Now, the joy we take joy in our Christian living. Living as Christ wants us to. Why? Because it pleases God. Um, one of my favorite verses of Scripture is found in the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. It simply says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. 
when we get closer and closer and closer to God, we start finding this life is so awesome to live. There's purpose and direction and everything. And every morning we wake up, it's sort of like we are looking for the leading of the Lord for the day. Which way do you want me to go? And it's amazing the people he put in our path to talk and to witness to. And the joy that we get and the opportunity to share. Um, I bet you we could probably have a time of testimony, we won't, of people that have ended up in your path unexpectedly. And you've had the opportunity to witness to. And think about it. God positioned you right there and then for that moment. Think about this. When the day comes that we enter into the joy of our Lord, what if that person comes up and says, thank you? Thank you. There's a wonderful song that says that very thought. You know, what a joy. Yeah? When we have this love of God in our lives that pours forth from us, and it's this perfect love, joy is this natural byproduct. Well, two more. We have the joy of Christian giving. Pat always comes prepared when she's up here and sharing with about giving to God and to his ministry and to his work. Um, there is that wonderful verse from the scriptures, and we know it perhaps, where uh, we see, oh, back up, I'm getting ahead of myself. We rejoice in the privilege of giving financially to God's kingdom. And the verse that I was referring to is, each man should give what he has decided to give in his heart. Ladies, that does not exclude you. Paul was being a little... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Chauvinistic. Uh, we, could, we, could, we could elaborate a little bit. Every person should give in their heart what they have decided to give, uh, to not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever contemplated that verse and asked yourself, why does God love a cheerful giver? Go back and look at God and look what he's done. And do you think when the earth was being made, when the whole process of preparation of bringing people into this world, that God was holding back and being stingy on anything? No. God gave abundantly. And you know what? When it came to our salvation, when we needed our redemption, he gave more than abundantly when Christ gave himself. Somebody asked me the other day what my favorite holiday was, and I had to stop and think. Uh, I don't say Christmas as fast anymore. <sighs> The bells, the bells. Um, but it's a wonderful time of the year, and I love Christmas. It's great, and it's wonderful, and it's real special. I have to say, New York City is a cool place to be during Christmas. If you're in the downtown area, they do it up big and everything. And I have to say, I've said that phrase so much today, but I'll keep saying it. I have to say, Radio City Music Hall does a great job in their Christmas Spectacular show. The ending of the show, they finish with a living nativity and a powerful statement on Christianity. And it is just awesome. And it's wonderful. But the day that really holds value for me, and it kind of seems strange perhaps, is Good Friday. When I think of what he's done for me, the guilty one, can you wonder why it is? I love him so. Now, Christ is no longer on the cross, but I never, ever want to forget what he has done for me. The day that I do will be the day that I'll start saying, yeah, I'm saved because it will not have a meaning to me anymore. But if I keep that fresh in my 
head of what was been, what's been done, the price that's been paid. He has given cheerfully all that he had so that I might have what? All. It's wonderful. We talk about this from the standpoint of a financial, but we can also give of our time. And I've always loved Wednesdays and Thursdays down here and to see the folks who come who volunteer to give themselves, I have to tell you, working with the children, teaching the children, that takes patience and it takes love and it takes patience and it takes generosity and it takes patience and patience and patience and patience and patience and patience. Uh, especially when you say, okay, sit down, okay, sit down, okay, sit down. You watch some of these kids around here, they're like those Mexican jumping beans under a hot light. They're just boing, 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 boing. You know, even this morning it goes around here. Well, why? Well, they are excited, enthusiastic, and I want to be careful. I don't want to damper that at all. I don't want to sit down, you know, and just there's a temptation on my part. Come on, get in, do it like you're supposed to do. But I, I remember these kids are enthusiastic and excited, and I want to foster that feeling. I want to keep that joy alive in their heart. To give of my time, to give of your time, to do that and to help them grow and to watch them grow as we see them becoming the future leaders of this facility, that's a privilege, an honor, and a joy. Um, Paul, Paul was with a group of Greek philosophers, and he said this in Acts 17.21. He said, they spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. You, you don't get anything accomplished just by talking and listening. I, to a degree, there's some value in that. But if that's all that ever goes, there's got to be some action at some point that backs that up. And we are a core, I believe, that is of action. And then we also find joy by giving praise to God. I love praise and worship. I love Salvation Army music. And the two are the same. Both praise and worship the Almighty. And I love doing it with our voices. I'm not the greatest singer but I'll squawk it out as best I can until I get to heaven and get that new body and a new voice. It does a lot better, I hope, uh, than the one I have now. But D David, in Samuel chapter um, 6, uh, danced before God, the scriptures tell us. And, and in the 84th Psalm, he says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. David was always amazed and awestruck about who God was. Think about it from the standpoint of David's life. Slayed a giant that was huge, larger than life to him. But he wasn't afraid at all because he had the strength of God. Forgiven for the horrible, terrible deed, the sin that he did, the evil that he brought about. Um, but he experienced God's grace still. And he was reminding himself over and over the privilege and the joy there comes in worshiping God. Well, finally this morning, the joy of Christian being, or simply put, being a Christian. Uh, just on the day-to-day. -day, um, again, I come back to some basics. Our sins are forgiven. Let's never, for, never treat that as something commonplace. Um, a gentleman by the name, I'm going to say is wrong. Um, he wrote a book called Twice Pardon and has a powerful presentation. His last name is Morris. I want to say it's David Morris, and I don't think that's correct. Um, but I've seen the video of him. He speaks to a group of students. 12,000 were in attendance at a high school, and uh, they had to turn kids away uh, because of it. But he talked about the time where he, as a youth, made a terrible decision. He drove a car for a stick-up that ended up 
kill, they killed a man. Now, he was just the driver, but the two people who went in and did the actual deed turned him in, blamed him, and this was down, I want to say it was in Alabama that it was in, and he was given a life sentence never to see the light of day, and he was going downhill. Well, it was in jail, as so often is the case with guys I've known over the years, he found God and found him in a powerful way, and God made it possible for him to become free, even to the point of where he had his voting rights restored. He was completely absolved of his part of the crime and found guiltless. But he tells the story, and he goes, but as great and wonderful as that was, if I had stayed in the prison, it had been okay because I had been already forgiven and had the stain of my sin of what I have, my sinful life, how it had been, I had that removed by one who loved me so much. And when he tells the story every time I listen, it's so powerful, and you can hear the emotion in his voice. The scriptures tell us, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Let's face it, the devil took us into the path of sin, and we know that is the case, but Jesus, our blessed Lord, his Son, Jesus, purifies us from all sin. And this is what has happened to us. This is what we need to remind ourselves and to remind ourselves of the joy that our sins are forgiven. Peter says, though you have seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Well, we also are assured of our salvation and that is a wonderful feeling indeed to know that we are saved. Therefore, there is now, therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We have salvation. We are going to be able to be forgiven. That is never in doubt. Always. John 5 tells us, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I said it before and I'll say it again. Eternal security is so true in the sense that when we have Christ, we are eternally secure. And as long as we stay with him, that will not change. But let me throw one last thing at you this morning, and then we'll be done. We are going to spend eternity with God in heaven. And I want you to think about that this morning. Eternity is a long time. Sometimes people think my preaching seems like eternity. That's all right. Forever with the Almighty. Forever with the one who has done so much for me. Paul told the church at Corinth, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Think about that. There is a body being prepared for me, for you, that we may dwell with him forever everlasting joy one of my favorite hymns when I found out the origin of it I just smiled and looked at it It was inspired by a fellow who had a glowing face who continually uh, seemed to radiate joy um, seeing him in the audience during an evangelistic campaign the speaker noticed his radiant expression the message that night was about the return of Christ and often this man would exclaim joyously, yes, yes, that will be glory for me. 
After the service, the speaker inquired, who is the brother with the blessed testimony? Oh, the fellow said, that's old glory face. He's a Christian that always seems to be on the mountaintop. And later, Charles H. Gabriel was so impressed with the same man that he was moved to write a song. Oh, that will be glory for me when all my labors and trials are o'er and I am safe on the beautiful shore just to be near the dear Lord I adore will through the ages be glory for me. Oh, that will be glory for me, glory for me, glory for me. When by his grace I shall look on his face, that will be glory. Glory for me. So this morning I ask you, how's your fruit? You know, if we really do have the love of God inside us, then we have all these attributes that are going to be talked about over the next few weeks. And we have joy. Now, that doesn't mean we're always happy. I've been sick the past few days, and let me tell you, happiness has not been on the top of my list. I haven't been smiling as I've been wheezing and doing other terrible things. Um, But there's still the joy, and I still praise God every day. I have challenges and frustrations, as we all do. And in those, we can still praise and be joyful, knowing that there is a God who hears us. And God, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but I give it to you. I will be obedient to you. Use me as you see fit. Oh, that will be glory for me. I hope your joy is intact this day. And if it's not, well, we always open up the altar. And I'll ask Mark to come to the piano. And I don't know if you know that chorus, but some chance to you. That's the one. Um, I have faith in you, my friend. And if not, whatever the Lord leads you to. But we always open up the altars. I do every Sunday. I do this because you just never know what a week has brought about for somebody. And maybe somebody needs to come up and bend the knee to bow the heart. Maybe not. Maybe no one needs to come today. But you know what? That's not on me. My responsibility is to come to you and say this is available. If you need to come, maybe you need some restoration with your joy. And if that's the case, come to him who is such a great giver, abundantly so. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. And we just open up these altars, this holiness table, to any who need to come this morning for whatever the reason. And Father, if so be the case, you'll meet them here. You always do. You're a God who is so faithful. We can take joy in that. You're a God who loves us and we're always on your mind. You never forget us, Lord. You can't. You made us with intent and purpose, and reason. And it is your joy when we understand that and start living this life like you want us to in the fullness of joy. If you need to come this morning as Mark plays, let him play for just a moment. And for whatever the reason, if you want to come and bend the knee to bow the heart this morning, the altars are open, the holiness table is open. You come if the Lord leads. We'll take a moment of silent meditation. time to pray for us, the body of Christ, as we pursue holiness and God's will for Columbus. God bless.